Hello, and welcome to the next episode of How Good It Is, a weekly podcast that takes a closer look at songs from the rock and roll era, and we check out some of the stories behind those songs and the artists who made them famous. My name is Claude Cole, and I feel all right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hey, don't forget to check out the website, howgooditis.com, where you can find some stuff that I found interesting and some other things that don't necessarily fit well into the podcast. Also, go follow and like the show's Facebook page, which has some other stuff that'll keep everybody busy. You can find that over at facebook.com slash pod. As ever, this show remains one of the featured shows on the Podcast Republic app. If you are looking for a great podcatcher that is always innovative, this is the one to get. Go check it out in the Google Play Store or look for the link on my webpage. Trivia! I've got an interesting trivia question for you this time. Well, they're all interesting, but, you know, this one's kind of fun. There's only one singer-songwriter whose work has been covered by the Beatles, the Rolling Stones, and Bob Dylan. Now, I'm not talking about one song here. They each did a song that originated with this person. I know my original guess was wrong, so let's see how you do. I'll have an answer for you at the end of the show. Once again, one singer-songwriter who's had his work covered by the Beatles, the Stones, and Bob Dylan. Well, like so many other tunes, the Isley Brothers song Shout was the result of a happy accident. He's got the whole world in his hands. Ronald Isley, along with brothers O'Kelly, Ernie, Vernon, and Marvin and Rudolph, were exposed to music at an early age. Their mother was a pianist and a choir director at the Baptist Church in Cincinnati where they lived, and Ronald described it as an emotional, physical place. It was one of those churches, he said, where people would shout hallelujah and fall to the floor. And mom would put the five of them up in front of the church and get them to sing for the congregation. Ronald says he wasn't nervous. In fact, he was kind of fascinated by the preacher's ability to hold the audience's attention. In the early 1950s, the Isleys formed a gospel group, which did okay, but tragedy struck the family when Brother Vernon died. And around the same time, so did their father, O'Kelly Sr., so in order to earn some money for the family, Ronald, O'Kelly Jr., and Rudolph turned to doo-wop music. He noted that a lot of gospel groups were doing the same thing, since gospel and doo-wop have a lot in common. In 1958, the group moved to New York and met with a talent scout named Richard Barrett, who took them to an independent producer uh, named George Goldner. They recorded a few songs for him and began playing some shows on the East Coast. About a year later, the bigger labels were looking to sign the Isley Brothers, and they settled on RCA Records. Their first hit was this song called, I'm Gonna Knock on Your Door. Elaine, this is Rudolph out here. If you don't come out tonight, I'm gonna knock on your door, ring on your bell, tap on your window too. If you don't come out tonight while the moon is bright, I'm gonna knock and ring and tap until you do. I'm gonna knock it's not a bad record, but in retrospect, I don't think there was a lot about it that made it really stand out. It's a pretty typical sound for the genre. In 1959, the Isley Brothers were booked into Philadelphia's Uptown Theater as part of a soul review hosted by a local disc jockey. This show operated much like the Motown reviews in that there was a large number of acts, each doing one or two songs, and they would get up, they would do their thing, and then rush off quickly while the MC did a little patter to get the next act on stage. The other thing that was common in those days is that it wasn't a big deal for musical artists to perform songs from other artists, and that's why there are several versions of Not Fade Away or Stand By Me out there. Largely it was because artists didn't often write their own material, so it would get chopped out to a lot of different people. So it was just an accepted practice. Shut it up, I- 
And since the Isleys didn't have a huge track record as far as chart appearances were concerned, well, their stage repertoire uh, still consisted mostly of covers of other artists' work. And one of their favorites to perform was Jackie Wilson's 1958 song, Lonely Teardrops. Ronald Isley recalled that the performance got such a great reaction from the crowd that the Isleys were moved to the last act on the bill in order to give the whole show a strong close. In Ronald's opinion, this was great because the audiences left the theater thinking of the Isleys on their way to the record store, not somebody else. Now, Lonely Teardrops has a section in it where Jackie Wilson does a call and response with the backup singers, where he'll sing, Say You Will, and they respond in kind. And toward the end of the song, he just starts ad-libbing, Say it right now, baby. The whole thing has a very gospel structure to it, and this is what Ronald Isley drew upon when he was performing the song. And he says it was one of the Philadelphia performances that he saw the crowd was really responding well to the song. They were standing up and shouting their approval, and it took him back to his church days. In turn, he decided he didn't want it to end just yet, so he began to ad-lib much like Jackie Wilson would. And he sang, you know, you make me want to shout. And the band picked up immediately what he was up to. And they gave him that beat that just kind of throws you on its back and starts galloping away. The audience went berserk, and he kept ad-libbing lines like, kick my heels up and, and then pause, so the audiences and his brothers could shout, uh, answer, shout. So in the beginning, it wasn't so much of a song as it was just a bit to extend the song he was already singing and to keep up the audience's energy. But they decided it was worth exploring as a song of their own, and they started developing something while they continued the review over the next several days. One of Ronald Isley's big inspirations was this 1954 recording from Ray Charles, I Got a Woman. The opening of the song clearly had its influence, but listen also to the beat of the song. I got a woman way over town that's good to me. So when the review ended, the Isley Brothers returned to New York and they told their producers, Hugo Peretti and Luigi Creatore, about what had happened, and they immediately suggested that a record be cut. Peretti and Creatore encouraged the Isleys to bring all their friends into the studio to help foster the feel of a live show, and they chose all of the musicians to play on the record, with a single exception. The person playing that organ was Herman Stevens, who played with them in that church back in Cincinnati. Now, when the single was first released, it was broken into two parts. Side A ends with, now wait a minute, and side B begins with that long organ note, and I feel all right. And in fact, the last time I bought a copy of this on a 45, which would have been the late 1980s, it was still a two-part single, which is kind of peculiar, if only because both halves can easily fit on a single side of a 45. The only reason I can think of for breaking the song into two is that the total length is close to four and a half minutes, depending on how long you pause between the two halves of the song. And that a song length like that it just wouldn't do on a pop station in 1959, so I have to guess that it only got limited airplay, and probably only one side, and that's why the record peaked at number 47 on the Billboard Hot 100. So it didn't do so great on the pop charts, but its sheer longevity is what made Shout the Isley Brothers' first single to go gold, meaning that it sold one million copies. For those of you who are confused by that definition, remember that a gold single sells a million, but a gold album only has to sell 500,000. About a month after the record was released in September of 1959, Australian performer Johnny O'Keefe performed the song on his show called Six O'Clock Rock and released it as a single where it went to number two there. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
1962, Joey D and the Starlighters took the song to number six, having already nicked the call and response ending for the Peppermint Twist a year earlier. Meanwhile, that same year, the Isleys charted again with the song, but it only went to number 94 that time around. In 1964, Scottish singer Lulu, who was billed at the time as Lulu and the Lovers, L-U-V-V-E-R-S, Lovers, took the song to number uh, number seven in the UK, and that was her debut on the pop charts anywhere. Lulu, by the way, was only 13 years old at the time, and if she's sounding a little bit rougher than you're used to hearing, it's because she supposedly had a bad cold when she recorded it. You can see a video of her lip-syncing this song on Ready, Steady, Go. I'll put it up on the uh, website. And it's a bunch of fun, especially since she gives the song a full ending. And you also notice that she stops lip-syncing just a couple of seconds too early. Oopsie. So, yeah, there have been lots of covers of the song, but perhaps the most notable and the one that's probably the most responsible for the Isleys going gold is the one that was performed by Otis Day in the Nights in the 1978 film National Lampoon's Animal House. Now let's be clear, Otis Day in the Nights were a totally fictional band who was created to perform in the movie, and the guy you see in the film is an actor named Dwayne Jesse. The songs sung by the band were sung by Lloyd Williams, who later put together a real-life band and performed on tour. Incidentally, Dwayne Jesse is the brother of young Jesse from the Coasters, and if the bass player in the movie looks familiar, well, you'd be right. That's Robert Cray playing bass. Otis Day and the Knights only released one album, which was produced by George Clinton in 1989, and if you're looking for the same recording that you hear in the film, well, prepare to be a little bit disappointed, because they made a new recording for that album. It's not bad specifically, it's just not the same recording. So for what it's worth, those of you who don't know, the song has its own dance as such, which mostly gives you permission to get out on the dance floor and do whatever until the Isleys get to the little bit softer now part, in which case you're expected to bring your body closer and closer to the floor. And in my experience, most people don't realize how many times they sing a little bit softer now, and they wind up literally falling down onto the floor and then dancing on the floor while lying down, and then they gradually rise up again for the little bit louder now part. It's a great dance to do, if you can't dance. And as far as the Isley Brothers are concerned, while this song was a modest hit for them at first, like so many other artists, that didn't translate into instant stardom. The next couple of singles for RCA tanked, and they were dropped by the label. It wasn't until 1962 that they finally scored on the Scepter label with Twist and Shout. But the fact is, real success came to them in 1965 when they signed on with Motown Records. Again, their Motown track record wasn't amazing either, but it gave them the ramp-up they needed for their latest success with Buddha and then Columbia's Epic label. But I guess I can save that for a future show. 
And now it's time to answer this week's trivia question. Back on page two, I had asked about the singer-songwriter whose work has been covered by the Beatles, the Rolling Stones, and Bob Dylan. Well, that person would be Arthur Alexander. Alexander was mostly known as a country songwriter and a soul singer, and while he enjoyed middling success as a performer, he's probably better known for writing songs that other artists have recorded. As far as those three artists are concerned... The Beatles recorded Alexander's song Anna, Go To Him, for their 1963 debut album. And by the way, listen to the job Ringo does replicating those original beats. Anna, you can't ask me, girl, to set you free, girl. You say he loves you more than me, so I will set you free, go with him. The Rolling Stones covered You Better Move On in 1964, where it appeared on the EP The Rolling Stones and on the U.S. album December's Children and Everybody's. You asked me to give up the hand of the girl I love. You tell me I'm not the man she's worthy of. I can't, I can't be the only person who thinks those first couple of lines sound a little bit like Save the Last Dance for me, can I? Anyway, it was in 1988 that Bob Dylan recorded Sally Sue Brown for his album, Down in the Groove. That's it for this edition of How Good It Is. If you want to get in touch with the show, well, you can email me at howgoodpodcast at gmail.com or you can follow the show on Twitter at howgooditispod and you can visit and like and follow the show's Facebook page at facebook.com slash howgooditispod. What? You need another option? Fine. Check out the show's website, howgooditis.com, where you might find a few extra bits like that video I told you about a few minutes ago. Thanks, as usual, to Podcast Republic for featuring the show. And next time around, we're going to find out how good it is when Shel Silverstein writes your material. Thank you so much for listening. I will see you then. Mm-hmm.